first, Lord, and we fight for the house, like that song says, Lord. I ask that you would give us a focus so that we are more effective in the warfare that we wage.
fellowship. We had a few <coughs> that were gathering uh, and singing with Mark and Kathy. They'll be coming over. Good song to end on since we started the day talking about the sheep and the shepherd. Mary Seeger brought a very good opening. Mm -hmm. If you haven't heard it, it'd be worth listening to. Except for the one part about one brother here shearing the sheep years ago. Mm -hmm. Anyway, thank you, Lord, for this night. Open our hearts, Lord, to what you have for us. Thank you, Father. This, uh, I mentioned this uh, a couple weeks back about purpose and that God, this, that God deals with purpose. Um, I think, I, I tend to think, or I want to think, I'd like to believe, I guess, that I could endure um, anything as much as God would give, I guess, as long as you, if you felt there was purpose in it, like, or just in the natural, enduring hardships. You probably don't realize this, but there are people have nothing, they aren't acquainted perhaps with God yet, and they are being more severely dealt with than most of us, right? I have to believe that. Like, we're not alone in the face of the earth. Um, anyway, but we have to understand, right, that God takes us through things that, um, that really don't make sense. And, and we won't understand until the end or, to, or until we surrender. Right? And then, then perhaps you'll see the purpose in it. But we, we serve a God that is full of purpose, right? He makes no mistakes, and He deals with us very uniquely, very specifically uh, according to purpose for each one of us. I think um, Brother John Cheever, who, who is flying out later tonight or tomorrow, he said yesterday, um, I think it was a very good opening too, but one line that he said that, that like Jesus, we, we have to be tested um, in every point, right? So that we don't end up in a place where we really don't want to be, right? In other words, we're being vetted. The dealings, I had to look up the spelling for that word. Um, it's not V-E-T. Most of you probably know it's V-E-T-T-E, right? But God is vetting us to see if what we, where we really want and what, how much of Him we really want, you know? Right? You say, I want all that God gives, do you? Right? But, um, so this word, if you follow with me here a moment, it, 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 we're talking about purpose and God dealing in our lives specifically with His purpose in mind. So you can open up to Psalm uh, 13. Look at a couple verses there. But it starts out Psalm 13. It says, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long? Wilt thou hide thy face from me? I, I had this in my notes because at the time I was thinking like this may not be for everybody. Maybe just there's a few people here tonight that are in this place and if, if that's the way it is then that's okay. The rest of you can just listen in. But how long wilt thou hide thy face from me? The reason I say that when you're when you really are contending and, and not getting through or not getting the resolve or the results that you would like, it, it can be rather lonely and you have a lot of questions. Sometimes the more questions I have and I the less answers God has for me. 
Like he wants me just to be quiet and trust. You ever notice that? Like sometimes with children, they want the more they demand answers. You know, sometimes we do better with them and just tell them to to settle down. But anyway, how long will thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Hey, you know, I, four, four times there, he says, how long? And after the fourth time, you can wonder, like, maybe uh, he's got a lot of time on his hands. He, he's got, he just got forever to work in our hearts what he wants to, as long as it takes. And uh, I think Brooke was talking last week or something. Was it her? You can't hurry up. You can't hurry up sometimes the dealing and the work that God's doing. You just have to, to wait. Another thought here I had there was um, if you're taking counsel in your soul, I suspect you really will have sorrow in your heart. Right? We, we are to command our soul. Not so much take count. What, what counsel are you going to find in your soul in that realm? Right? Isn't it, why are you cast down, oh my soul? What? Hope. Hope. Like that's a charge. That's a hope thou in God. Right? Why are you disquieted? That's in Psalm 45 or 43. I think Mary touched on that. What I want to get to here really is in verse 5 of, of chapter 13. It says, But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I have trusted. Okay, God, <laughs> He deals with purpose, but He's a merciful God, right? And the word trusted, that stems from the word to hasten to refuge. Like if, if, if and when you find yourself in that kind of a circumstance, in that kind of a trial of your faith, very specific, not understanding why, you can take refuge in His mercy. If, I mean, when you're under the gun with God, what, where, where do you seek refuge? I mean, we find some place of refuge. Right? What better place really than because he's abundant in mercy than to seek it, seek his mercy? Um, if I'm struggling with the dealings, not understanding, why not reflect on mercy? Because he deals with us according to his mercy. Merciful God, right? Aren't you thankful that we deal with a God who is full of mercy? He deals with us accordingly, right? I think this was read at the convention. Maybe uh, Brother Joe Latour touched on it and somebody else in Psalm 103 I just referenced this. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far have he removed our transgressions from us. That's an important perspective. As bad as things can appear at times, it could be worse. It could be dealing, we could be getting what we deserve, right? Rather than having him deal with us according to his mercy. That's, a, that's an important perspective. Sometimes when you're down, you've got to put something else in the hopper. like. A different perspective. Open up the windows and, and think, you know, hey, I do that at times. Like this, it's like, I don't like to dwell on the worst. <laughs> but as bad as something appears, and it's a smoke screen, folks. Isn't it? When, 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 you know, as bad as things may appear, it's only a smoke, it's temporal. You've got to put that in the hopper. This is, it's, it can't be this bad. We're talking about we're we're in the hands of God, right? So don't don't buy into it that it's permanent, like it's never. 
was it last Saturday before the, the last service? Was it this past Saturday we had convention? Or the last Saturday? This week ago, yeah, right? But uh, I had felt before service like it came to me like just real strong, like, like a need for change. And I honestly, like some, I didn't attribute that to myself. I wasn't thinking like I needed change, but I really felt like somebody was feeling like, you know, and when you're in the crosshairs, frequently the need is there, like I, I, something's got to change. Something's got to change. That really, and then I think Dave touched on, on change, but that, that's the time really to dwell on the mercy of, of God. Um, Psalm 130 says, Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. Do you, do you get what I'm talking about? It's not that deep, obviously. That God deals with us in a merciful way. Can you say amen to that? And even in your silently, can you say amen? Consent to that. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. He shall redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. In verse 13, or uh, <clears throat> verse 6, I'll conclude with this here. I'm back on chapter 13 again. It says, I will sing unto the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I will sing unto, wait, we have that song. Let's look at the word bountifully there a moment. It means to ripen. That is specifically to wean. And I'm not making this up. Right? Bount, to deal bount, bountifully with us. It, it comes from the root word to wean. Right? His purpose is to wean. He deals with us according to purpose to bring forth what mature sons of God. And there's no maturity, there's no growth apart from the weaning process. Is that profound? You like that? Like, like, I like just to grow up. But there's no growth, I don't. I mean, there's minimal growth. But let's say this, there's accelerated growth to the degree that we give ourselves to the weaning process and allow him to wean us. And that's painful. We get, we, I can tell every time when Tim is, and Seth, are, they're messing with the beef cows, taking the, the babies from the mama. Man, you, it, just, it is so loud. A lot of bellering, a lot of complaining, a lot of misery, a lot of suffering going on. But that's where the program is taking us in terms of sonship. We, we cannot, I don't think, we can sidestep that. He's dealing with us bountifully. That means to, to wean. And what a, what a, we're being weaned. I mean, I can think of a number of things. Uh, I, uh, we're being weaned of anything that's not of, of faith. Any, any area where there's lack, uh, uh, not, not of faith and not of trust. We're being weaned from that kind of reliance on what we see. Any kind of area where we would trust in ourselves first. We're being weaned from that. We're being weaned from any um, area of independence. Everybody else is being weaned from that, but not me, right? Um, we're being weaned from, from uh, the need to, to control everything, like everything. I'm talking everything coming down. I have to, I got to say something, I got to put my two cents in, I got to, I'm the one that knows the most, right? I know I'm being, being weaned from negativity, like just when there's resistance, like just the urge to uh, want to, uh, you know, say a few things, right? That's the weaning process where we're at. <clears throat> Psalm 131 says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. I think that's why there's a lot of added stress in your life. 
Sometimes we exercise ourselves in things that are too high for us. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forevermore. There, there is no greater uh, rest. I have been searching um, for things that would help rest, help me rest. Like, I, I do know this. The, the uh, Google or somebody's listening in. I, I'll think about it. I'll say something to my wife, and I look, and there's all these. I'm not kidding. It's just bizarre. Like it's, they know, they have all the answers there for what can provide me with rest at night. Like just could use a little more rest. <coughs> Most recently, I read about that the reason I'm not sleeping is a cortisol issue. So I gotta have to go home and track that. Down. Anyway. I was asking, I was researching about mass, uh, grounding mass. That, that was going to hold promise. Someone said John Haas had that, so I wrote, I wrote him and, well, says, uh, no, he says, I didn't, didn't really get much help from the mat. I haven't used it since I've been here. And he said, Donna used it, the grounding mat, like you. Anyway, some, somebody may be getting some help here from the grounding mat. Um, but all that said, and the reason I say that is, there's no greater rest for your soul than when you have gone through a weaning process. And you, you, you are, you just are weaned. Do those, do those beasts, they finally get quiet up there. Is Tim here today? They get quiet after they're weaned after a while. They just kind of just, they realize they're not getting their weight. So here's another thing I had to, I had to uh, next time you're being weaned, I wrote down stop stop whining. So <laughs> you, you you do go to whine, but I'm talking about not whining, not like not as in the beverage. And I and I had to look up how to spell that. Whining, actually. Yeah. So when I, I looked it up, he needs some water. <coughs> Here's what came. This was the way they were describing. I got the right spelling, but then this followed it. I thought it was interesting. It was talking about whining, and it gave an example. It says, anybody whine here? Like, find yourself whining about the weaning? Sure. Weaning process that God has taken us through to grow us up into maturity. Right? That's why he deals with purpose. He knows exactly what he's doing. He does not make a mistake. He does not miscue. He, he doesn't have to get a... He, he, I have a pencil. I got a real nice <coughs> pencil. But I, what, what I like the best about that pencil... Thanks. Is it's the Pentel? It's got the best eraser. Like I can erase, like I can write on a wall and I can erase it, and you hardly will ever see any. It's like it, it doesn't. Some of the red erasers are terrible. This is great, but God never needs to erase. He doesn't put something out and all oh, that. Uh, that was a mistake. Like He deals perfectly with His sons, folks. He does not make a mistake. Trying to run that point home. But here's what it said about whining. Whining may be, and it was talking about children. This is not what I said, this is what I read. Whining, this is Google, whining may be your child's urgent way of expressing when they are very tired, hungry, sick, unhappy, uncomfortable, or a response to stress. Whining may also happen when your child is trying to seek connection to you or others around them. Then at the end it says this, 
Lastly, children may even use whining, remote chants, to get their way, or when things do not go their way. What it said. That's at the bottom of the list. No, not, none of us are whining when we don't get our way, right? And of course, if, if there is any whining, there'll be no whining in the midst. If there's any whining, no doubt it's because we are tired, right? We're hungry, we're sick, stressed out, right? And perhaps we are seeking a real connection with God. That's why they whine. Now, I will say this. And this came to me right before service. One thing I've never heard a child whine about here. And I, I have to say, I, I, I am and I will be tested with this. Like a new strain of, has come through of uh, children that can be very testy and um, all sorts of things. And I'm learning, I'm learning how to deal with that. And my wife does a very good job. She sincerely does. Much better than I do. But one thing I've never heard child, children whine about is, you know what that is? Cold and snow. Like I, I'm trying to think. But I'm talking maybe they get older. But I've never heard our children complain and whine about how cold, like they have no point of reference. Right. Pardon me? Children know. I mean, they just, Amy would see that. Did they, you march them down? Someone was saying, every now, was and, it, now. Every now and then. Occasionally. One of them was saying yesterday, who was, telling, who was saying about that? that uh, was it Kara said, well, you know, to some, you can walk, you know. She said it to you. What was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. You were looking for a ride or something like that? Oh, and she, Kira said, Look, well, you could walk. Like, she wasn't, like, correcting me. Just like that. Oh, that's it. They don't need to, yeah. That's true. When somebody else is plenty of self whining, you don't need to. Um, so I read this, uh, this and then I, I saw this a couple days ago in the Epic, epic or Epoch Times. It had a thing about the woman that lived in the coldest place in the nation. And um, I don't know if this is true, but this is in, in Eastern Russia. But I, in, in a nutshell, this, this lady's, she says, uh, it's, she says, um, despite all the challenges, she still loves her home. And she didn't realize how, how cold it was until she started watching movies and she realized there are places that are warm and you don't have to put a big, they put this big blanket over their car, you know, like a huge big blanket or they have to leave them run. She had no point of reference, right? She says, um, she still loves her home and says, growing up, in such harsh conditions. And, and I, th I, I think there is a benefit. Like, God is rough handling. That Brother Ernest coined that. Like, he's rough handling his sons. I mean, you look at the life of David. And look what came out of it. If his life would have been free scaling. I've been, I, I, I regularly go back over 1 Samuel 19 through like the end of the chapter. And it's all about David dealing with a Saul. Like just, he was such a thistle. I mean, this was life-threatening. Like just a spear in his hand. He, 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 Goliath paled in a way to the, to the dealing in David's life that Saul was. Continual threat in how he behaved himself. You know, it, this is the Lord's anointed, right? So we, we, have to, we have to see that there is a benefit when God deals with us in a way that is not to our liking or our fancy. So this, this lady grew up in a harsh climate, like just like 
would we, would most of us choose this place? Like, no. I'm pretty, I, I tell people that right out. Like, what, you know, why are you there? Like, well, I'm there because of, I used to make an excuse and I said, well, I have to say honestly, I, where I felt like God wanted us to be. And that, that kind of shuts them up, usually. Yeah. But um, she says this, growing up in such harsh conditions has only made her strong as a person. I grew up experiencing all ranges of seasons and temperatures, she said. I know how that the environment, environment developed my personality, personality. Being patient, hard-working, creative, stress-resilient. And, and that caught my attention. Resilient. That's what the dealings of God are supposed to produce in them, something that is resilient. I, I saw this paper. Uh, the, what's the name of the program you presented that you were talking about? The first line, Brother John had a program. He was talking about an ag-related program, right? But the first line, I read at the top, is something resilient something. That paper, resilient something? But anyway, that was before. Yeah, food source. Resilient, sustainable. Okay. I'd like to talk in this moment about resilience. There are those among us that are resilient. And those that are still in process, let's say. I don't know who, who you are. I just know that when you're resilient is the ability to bounce back from adversity and hardship. It's like, once again, out of the mountain, who was it that said, get over it? Was that Amelia said, you know, that famous, get, like, Sister Amy, get over it. Like, how, how, how many things do you and I still need to just get over? Like, what's going to change? Is, is the pressure from without going to change? Are you waiting for that to take place? There's got to be something internal. Like, I, I have to decide, like, this is not going to destroy me. There's a way through this. If nothing else, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiet myself. I'm going to behave myself quietly, in a quiet fashion, and not take up all the space with my loudness and my whinings and my cryings. You can do that. You can take a lot of space up in our midst. You don't even need to say a word just when you're being dealt with and you're not liking it. it you can be very loud. That's why, that's why there's nothing more restful than a, when we become as a weaned child. Right? Resilience refers to the idea of an individual's tendency to cope with stress and adversity. This coping may result in the individual bouncing back to a previous state of normal functioning or using the experience of exposure to adversity. We're, we're being exposed to adversity to produce a stealing effect. Stealing effect. And function better than expected, much like inoculation gives one the capacity to cope well with future exposure to disease. It also can indicate, resilience can indicate a capacity to resist a sharp decline in functioning. See, that's where we're to be a pillar that, that comes in and goes no more out, where, where we can be counted upon, where you can be, and I can be so consistent in my walk that somebody can put weight and then put some more weight. People that have broad shoulders, they, they get more weight put on them here, right? It's like people that do things, they get more and I don't, you know, people are doing things that maybe that aren't even seen, and God is putting more weight on them, right? But, <clears throat> but we're to be able to function, and even though a person temporarily appears to get worse. That's resilience, all right? They resist a sharp decline, even though it may appear as though they're getting worse. Resilience is the capacity to cope with adversity. To resist being deformed by hardship. How many are so easily 
beset or easily de deformed by hardship and construct further hardiness from exposure. That's probably what that program's about, brother. Like, you've got to have hardy plants here in Alaska. I don't know anything about farming, but I would have to say that. Yeah. Resist being deformed by hardship and construct further hardiness from the experience. And I thought of that line. If you faint, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Okay? Proverbs 24. So we'll come back here in, in conclusion to God dealing with purpose. I just I read a couple of verses here. One's in Deuteronomy 8. It says, uh, this is Moses. Remember the way he led you. He's, he's addressing the people. Verse 8 of uh, this is Deuteronomy 8. Consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. You know, uh, looking back at my chastening at times, I, it wasn't always perfect. There we go again. Okay. Because the Lord chastens thee as a father chastening his son. And the, the things I regret the most were uh, things done um, in anger. Is it never, it, it's just like I, I remember that. But even with that, I know that I dealt with my sons with purpose. Like I had something in mind for them. I just, no, no father here. I've not seen any father here or mother in, dealing in an abusive way. You know, just in, there is purpose in the discipline. There is purpose in the correction. There is purpose in the checking. Is that right? And that's the fa heavenly father that we serve here. Um, verse 16, it says, He fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good in the latter end. That's the signature of God's dealings, right? To do thee good in the latter end. And then a couple of here in Jeremiah, it says, this is chapter 24, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place. That, like, whom I have sent. Like, why would he do that? He had a higher purpose for them. He, he sponsored it. He, was, he authored it. He financed it. He did it all. He <laughs> Into the land of the Chaldeans, for their good. Didn't look like that they were being marched off. It didn't look good. For I will set mine eyes upon them for, for good. And I will bring them again to this land. And I will build them and not pull them down. Uh, and I'll go on here. God, he does send us out of our comfort zone at times, folks. <laughs> Chapter 29 of Jeremiah says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all them that are carried away captives, whom I have caused. He's got it wired. Doesn't feel like it, but he caused them to be carried away captive from Jerusalem, from their comfort zone to Babylon. And he says, Build ye houses, and dwell on them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, and there were prophets telling them not to. But <clears throat> I thought of this, if the Lord sends you for a season into what appears to be a foreign country that is lonely and isolated, don't, don't withdraw. He's telling them. For, this is for a season. He says, you know, that's where the, I think it is, at that, in that situation, in that place, you keep offering. You keep extending. You keep 
Uh, who said this at the convention? You, you, you give what you have, you bring what you have. It's got my attention. In that place, you do not retreat, folks. You keep offering, you keep making the daily offering. And he says, after seven, in verse 10, for thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And that word expected is, deals with an attachment. It's like everything we're going through, it, it, it's attached to a higher purpose. You can't see it at the time, but it's a cord that is like Rahab and a red cord. It, it, she didn't know what was going on. She understood eventually what that meant. That, that was her attachment, that cord to hope to things that were so much better than the existence that she had. Everything we're going through that connects to something, the way God frames it, the way he's... It, let me say this too. When, when you're going through something, it's very important how you frame the situation. Don't, don't ever discount... Don't ever discount the power. It's not like... I think more, I don't even know what we bring to the table. Like, God, God, he just... He's got it all. He brings it all. But there is an aspect where I need to take care of how I'm going to frame this. Right? Talking about, I can't mention this, the Harbaugh brothers, their coaches, right? They talk in the NFL and the college. But anyway, they're, 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 very, they're very good. Their dad was a coach. But growing up, we may have said this before, they didn't have it all so easy. But their dad taught them no matter how bad it was, he, he made them say this, and it got ingrained in them, who has it better than us? And they would say, nobody has it better. <laughs> you know, you say that enough. You, it's what you make of it. It's what I make of it. It's, I, when, when are things going to turn? When God, when God wants to let up on it. Am I going to, is my whining going to, Make him turn the heat back? I wish it would. I don't think that's the remedy. It's not, it's not going to do it. So who has it better than us living in this climate? <laughs> Got you there, right? Nobody. I mean, sorry. I tapped my ear and Siri was saying I didn't get that, so she accused Excuse my phone, my, through my hearing aids. She wanted to know what I was talking about. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you, Siri. You have to figure it out on your own. Try that. Anyway, I, I think I'm going to... I'll just say this on a, on a positive note. Um, you know, one thing that, you know, that's been a difficult difficulty for me in terms of just like boots on the ground is just is um it's like why would and I have to say this carefully like justifying God in terms of my family situation you know and because uh, it's not always been easy and it's like I, I, I was uh, when you're really being dealt with, I was telling somebody this the other day, because I remember the two times my brother was here. One time for three or four months, and the next time for a year. And, and it's just like, what, what, what Ron and I went through in, in our families was pretty, uh, I needed it. <laughs> but I remember, and this is what I was telling somebody, I remember, I can, I can relate to Psalm 73, right? Like, I was envious of the wicked. There are no pains in your death. Like you just, it's like I can remember being so under it and seeing people walk by, like just oblivious to what I was dealing with. Like, like they just whistling along. They, they can't help it. They weren't. God wasn't targeting them at the time. You can't help what God is not doing with somebody else. It's, it's immaturity to resent somebody else when they're being blessed. 
But I, I remember, I thought, I can identify with Psalm. In my lifetime, I can identify with Psalm 73. I was envious of the, those that seemed to be prosperous. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's not getting this, right? Um, anyway, and uh, so all that said, I, I have I in reconciling with God, because my my enemy was not a person. My enemy that I, was my own nature. And I can either I'm either going to take that out on God because the way He made me and He didn't qualify me for what He required of me, yeah. or else I have to be okay with it. I have to be okay with with my plight and my family situation. Whatever I I, I tell my doctor to be okay with this. All right. I don't mean that in a passive way, like just you take everything that comes down. To, but like I don't do well if I if I don't frame the hand of God in my life after that. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Settle down, Rich. It's going to be all right. right. So I started, I changed my course generally before God about how I was framing this situation. And, and of course, when you start doing that, you start sowing to that relationship. I'm talking with my brother. It got worse. Isn't that the way it happens? Like, it just gets worse sometimes. <laughs> That's what I get for that's what I get for praying more, for giving my best shot, for sowing to this relationship. All of a sudden that relationship gets worse. What's far south? Far south of the border. But but recently, um, in like this past what I'm getting at, over time, the change that God was looking for in it was out of me. Like I literally I, 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 I was putting all the weight on the situation to change, and it just wasn't changing. So the only resolve was like, if that ain't changing, and I don't like the situation, what's going to change? So, for instance, this past, when I was down there uh, recently in Pennsylvania, I, I really did spend a lot of time um, just sewing and, and Helping and just serving my brother, just taking care, helping take care of my mom, and I in, in um, like I saw things out of him I had never seen before. Like just genuinely appreciative to be to be able to to think of what somebody else is doing and acknowledge it and show some aspect of appreciation. Like I'm, I'll take that. Like some, sometimes lower your sights on what you expect from somebody and. Seriously, it's helpful to understand that you want something out of somebody or a relationship, and they may not have the capacity at the time. And you got a gun to their head. You want it like this, and if they they don't have the resource to be able to give you what you think you need. Right. And, and we've got to watch the selfish relationships, like what's in it for me. That's not where we're headed as, as mature sons. It's, it's not about what somebody can give you. And I'm talking about allowing God to touch our subconscious where we, we don't even realize at times the things that drive us in a relationship. It's just my need. Somebody else can feel it. I don't, can't identify, but like you get resistance and it's because there's self in the middle of it. Like I'm looking for something. But I, I, I honestly can say in that area um, that it's been a pretty hefty deal. I'm talking like since 1987, that situation. Like not, like I, I, I still don't have a final one. Like I, there's got to be something that God's doing in all of the Greenleaf boys or whatever. It's going to be good as, and we'll know as we go on, right? But I'm thankful and, and what helped me again was reading the life of David and how he framed what he went through with Saul. Go listen to that, or read it, read over it. Many, many times he had opportunities to, to, to slay Saul, and his bodyguards were pushing him to do it. 
and he would be convicted of even cutting off the fringe of his robe. And anyway, just the way he, he humbled himself before, genuinely, before Saul, the things he said about himself. It's like he, that took a work of God. And that was what just really was an, it helped me most recently. So thank God for that, that little testimony there. Psalm 66 says, Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Thank you, Lord. You, you have not turned your abundant mercy from me. The dealings and the affliction, the adversity that we face, is all for a purpose to raise us up. And he's, he, he's, he's making his people who are roughly handled to be, to be resilient. What, whatever situation they are thrown into, a cat, is it a cat, right? You throw a cat off of a roof, they say. I used to try that, literally. <laughs> big, big roofs, family, big roofs. I mean, to see if they land on their feet. That's where we're headed. That's what God is working in our hearts. So let's allow the Holy Spirit to, to, uh, to, to... Let's take strength in the Spirit tonight and in the mercy with which He is so abundantly poured out to each and every one of us in the aspects and areas where, where we're being dealt with. Every family here. Unique things that God is, God is doing. Take strength in His mercy. That His dealings are... Are with purpose. Close. Okay. Thank you, Lord, for this. For being merciful to each one of us. For your care. Lord, help us to uh, to not avoid the areas where you really are raising us up. And we're being weaned, Lord. We thank you for your hand upon us, Lord. And even tonight for Mark and Kathy, that you would surround them, Lord. Fill them with hope, Lord. Fill Kathy with an inner confidence that you, you've got her, Lord. She's in your hands, Lord. She need not be afraid. Touch her now, Lord. For each family here among us, Lord, whatever the situations we face, Lord, we look to you for strength, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.